why I would do it differently? Well, first and foremost, because of this lack of trust. As I said, I was really naive at the beginning. I would not change the strategies that we follow. I mean, yes, it was a hell of a word to do all these events, but I think we would not never achieve what we achieve without them. And also the recognition and people that knows us. But what I would do differently is to, for the sake of having funds, I mean, I don't want to go into details per se, but I think I would have taken my time to build a nonprofit, more seeing it as a project for long-term. Hi, I'm Anna. I'm the founder of Migration Hub and Migrapreneur, and you're listening to God Talks, double G, U, double T. Hi, everyone. Welcome to season one of God Talks, double G, U, double T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design and gut feelings. I'm Maria designer, strategist, and venture builder, running two ventures, GUT, Double G, UWT, and Other Dots Foundation. I decided to launch GUT Talks as the pandemic hit with an ambition to educate, put some karma on the board, and feature entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors who deserve recognition and have inspiring stories to tell. Feel free to email me if you need me. Maria at God.com, W-G-U-T, or check the links in the show notes. Now let's get started. Our guest today is Anna Alvarez, lecturer, speaker, and consultant who launched an initiative called Migration Hub Network back in 2016. She's a migrapreneur, and just one year after she moved to Germany, Coming all the way from Costa Rica, she launched Migration Hub. And the goal was to provide support to international social projects dealing with migrants, refugees, and asylum seekers through mentoring, capacity building, and collaboration. And she learned so much along the way, which led her to what she's doing today. So currently, Migration Hub Network has built a large community and projects that aim at modifying the migration narrative through social entrepreneurship. And you have a background in uh, communication and journalism, and you're specialized in human rights and peace education. And most importantly, you're a migrant yourself. So thank you so much for being on Gut Talks. And it's great to see you again, to see you behind the screen again, let's say. How are you and who's Anna? Well, wow. I mean, Maria, I cannot tell you. I think I mentioned this earlier and before the recording. When you sent me this invitation, I mean, I just need to look back five years ago. And actually, I think it was almost five years ago when we met in Sicily. And you started also with your background in innovation to prototype and find ideas how Migration Hub also can be of a help for many, many areas. Not only because Migration Hub had the potential to really make an impact, but I have to say that all these ideas and all these amazing contributions is what helped somehow Migration Hub to exist and to happen. And, and I really thank you for that. And I can't believe that it's already five years after that. And well, who am I? Well, I think I always say this, I'm an entrepreneur by mistake. <laughs> I didn't meant to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want it to be an entrepreneur because I have been working my entire life before jumping to Germany as a migrant. I worked my entire life in the government, in the private sector, in the nonprofit sector. And although I knew that I always had this kind of a spark and this always engine to move forward things and projects, I think I never, never came to my head entrepreneurship at all. I was close to social entrepreneurship. 
entrepreneurship at some point back in 2010 when I met for the first time Mohammed Junus and I heard him actually it was my first a task of a new job to prepare an event where he was coming to speak and this is how I was introduced about social entrepreneurship and I wouldn't never imagine that years later I was going to be the one being invited by Mohammed Junus himself to join him in an event in Paris to talk about myself as a social entrepreneur and what I've learned so Yeah, who am I? I don't know. I have to say I'm still being surprised to what we can all do as humans. And if I would like to say something right now, I'm an entrepreneur who knows what I'm going to be in 10 years. I like that. <laughs> That's the spirit. Um, just by the way, Elada, we're just experimenting with this clubhouse slash like recording of the podcast. So I hope this experience is good for you. And yeah, I'm muting myself when I'm talking and muting myself when Anna's talking. So hopefully we'll manage to <laughs> keep it up. So yeah, thank you. I like the intro. I like the spirit, you know, how you say, who am I going to be in 10 years? And you brought up when we met five years ago mm-hmm. and at this, this social innovation conference, and it was about <laughs> migration, right? Yes. One, in Sicily, because lots of migrants come by boat. And when you tweeted this, that, you know, we're going to have this live podcast today, it brought back many memories. Like, why did we start talking? Why did we click first of all? And one of the major things is that you come from Costa Rica. I come from Lebanon. Mm-hmm. You live in Germany. I live in Italy. So we're neighbors here. And in a certain way, we come from kind of emerging countries, Mm-hmm. say, you know, in my case today, underdeveloped, I would say, the way things are going. And one thing we noticed, and this is why we started talking, is that there was kind of a showcase of migrants doing things and other people presenting them as products in a yes. certain way. And this is something that we felt was wrong. And it kind of felt that, you know what, if you don't come from an emerging country, if you don't understand the context and the culture in different places, you just have wrong assumptions. And just you go with these assumptions and just feel that you're doing something cool and amazing. But the thing that stayed on my mind was this lady who presented this migrant kid who did something about cooking. And it was like, he did this, he did this, he did that. Well, let him talk. <laughs> so yeah. this yeah. person has a personality and feelings and everything. And you want to change the narrative wrong migrations because yes. it has bad connotations as well today when you talk of refugees and everything, because one other thing, and I'm talking a lot here, I just want to set the scene and give you the floor after actually. It's just that when people embark, you know, come by boat or whatever to Europe, and it's not everyone, it's some of them, right? Some people, they have this idea or image of Europe being a utopia, which is not the case, right? So what's your view on all of this? Again, I just went back to Sicily five years ago. It's really painful, Marianne. And also it's very overwhelming in a positive way, in a negative way. It's overwhelming positively because I could have never imagined that the two of us clicked so well for the right reasons. And somehow we stayed in touch over all these years. And we still think in the same. Like I have not changed my mindset. I can't, I have to okay. say that I run into a lot of problems <laughs> over the last five years because I refuse to change the mindset that migrants cannot be used as products. And at the end of the day, part of changing the narrative is part of what made me evolve Migration Hub up until today, which right now I'm focusing in Migrapreneur and I'm sure that we're going to get there. And the reason for that is because I've seen a lot in the last five years. And when we met, Maria, I think I was... Certainly naive 
which if I wouldn't have been naive, I wouldn't have built what I built, which somehow you need that at the beginning to believe that things can make a change. But I'm overwhelmed in a negative way that today, Sicily, back then, you know, when we arrived there, something that I really liked was this spirit of collaboration, of using Sicily as an opportunity to talk about innovation, more like like an open door. And five years later, it's a closed door. And five years later, we have 11 billion euros invested into a fortress, into a wall, an invisible wall. So um, 11 million. 11 billion, which is, uh, I'm not going to say names, but it's to create Frontex. And I'm really open about this. And this is essentially causing and stopping migrants from arriving to Sicily and stopping people to find their own way and journey. And people are drowning in the sea still five years later. And now in five years later, when I build a community of migration hub, and I remember that fast forward after I started in 2017, we did an event called Innovation No Snow Borders. And I remember that I invited, I mean, all of them, the idea was that migrants will have the floor and the stage for them to talk. And it was just only one person who was a local, a German. But I think that their work was incredible not to speak about it. And for security, I'm not going to mention the name, but I'm going to mention what they do. I remember that he started the presentation with a huge screen saying, Europe, we are not innovators. We are not the innovators. In Europe. In Europe, that Europeans, because he was the only European and he was the only local presenting. We had around like 20 speakers and all of them mainly migrants. And then he started saying, Europe, we are not innovators because he himself and his organization saved 14,000 people from drowning in the Mediterranean. And five years later, remember in Sicily how, you know, we were welcomed by an international organization to resemble what we should look into the future and seeing what is happening today. It's just made me think, what else can we do but changing the narrative? Because this is not improving, unfortunately. And so what is it that made you do what you do? Like, was it triggered by (laughs) a gut feeling? (laughs) What was that what made you get started? Actually, it's incredible that you mentioned this because everything that I've done until today is based on my gut feeling. And I think this is because I told you that I didn't want to become an entrepreneur. I didn't meant to become an entrepreneur, but I think I've been always an entrepreneur because I've been always guided by my guts. And I know when my guts are right and I don't listen to them, I always said like, damn it, I should have. My guts told me so. But then you become a leader somehow and then you have to lead people and manage people and then your gut feelings keep revolving (laughs) in your stomach and you don't listen. And wow, it's so good to remember that we have the gut feelings and we have that as entrepreneurs for a reason. But yeah, that's essentially what happened with Migration Hub. It was not only a gut feeling, Maria, and, and, and I guess this is also the reason why I keep doing what I'm doing. As a migrant, when I arrived to Germany, I already had a career back home and I had to resign to move here with hopes and with dreams. And I knew that I had to start again, but I didn't know how from zero I had to start again. Yeah, from scratch, basically. From scratch. And I knew that I had, I mean, the people who knows me back home, they know me that I could work anywhere, that I have no problems to do anything, seriously. I didn't do what I do just because I'm this type of kind of diva who doesn't want to do the dirty job or to start from scratch because I've been told so, by the way. Uh, No, I was willing to do anything, but I didn't get any job. I applied to more than 100 jobs everywhere to do 
anything, not even related to my career, not even, no, I applied to everything, Maria, and I only got two job interviews. In the two job interviews, I was asked the most horrible questions where I said, look, all these people are arriving the migration topic is on the table. I already had experience in Costa Rica working with 130 nationalities. Uh, so I was very well familiar and really well integrated into the Arab community. So that's why it was not that difficult to me to be one habit be more. So I think when these questions were raised in the job interviews, I said, wow, and this is how Germany is going to be a, an inclusive country. And this is the moment when my gut feeling says, focus in this volunteer project, whatever it is happening around, <laughs> which, you know, was back then Migration Hub, but still a project, still an idea there. And this is the moment when I said, I remember I came home and then I talked to my partner back then. And then I said, I think this is what I'm going to do. And I think there's no other choice. And I think this is my future. Ad break. No, not an ad. But as you may have noticed, this show has no sponsors, but you can still support Gut Talks by leaving five stars or a comment on your podcast player and like, share and follow the social media channels of Gut, W-G-U-T-T. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get going. Interesting. So it was basically your personal experience where you couldn't find a job that makes you empathize with others who, well, yeah. look, in your case, you came because just to set the scene a little bit, there are migrants who come illegally mm. and then become legal. You know, mm. they get their documents and some come mm -hmm. legally in different other ways. So Well, every, every, everybody arrives somehow legally. I mean, for example, the, the asylum seekers is their right to seek for asylum and arrive yeah. to the country they want. But some of us, I mean, in my case, I came willingly. Some of them are not coming willingly because, you know, their country is a mess and they have no other choice but to escape. And in my case, I came here because I was married with a German. And yeah, we wanted to see it as an opportunity. And I saw the difference, you know, like he even got a job within weeks and And I mean, he also applied a lot, but I think that even if still today, if I would apply to a job in Germany, I think I would not get it, you know? And also it was this part. I mean, I was the expert back home working with people from around the world. I remember 2012 when the Syrian war started. And I remember one of my students being panicking because his family was there in Aleppo and so on. And then back then I wasn't an expert. Here, I was just a migrant. So this is what triggered you actually to do yes. what you're doing today. And actually, in order to get to, we're going to get to what you're building today, like now in 2021, back in 2016, 17, 18, you grew a community. How did you get started? How did you get the trust yes. of oh, the yeah. migrants to help them build businesses? Because you did mentorship mm -hmm. and so on, right? Yeah. I think that with the migrants was not a, a big of a deal because I'm one of them. And I think that... Being exposed for many years with so many countries, it just like allows you to understand how to navigate with all these cultures. And still they are my friends. I mean, actually, the funny thing is that these migrants, the ones who were users of Migration Hub, we're still together. Those are the ones who are celebrating my birthdays. And those are the ones who are coming when I'm depressed, when I am in problems. Those are the ones who come here to my apartment to cheer me up. And I have this amazing friend who always, you know, when he knows when I'm down, he calls me, Habitti, be strong. Because if you are strong, we're strong. And I think that with them, it was not a problem. The problem was to get the recognition and the problem was to get the trust from the locals and Europeans. Because for them, 
I was also just the migrant and the crazy woman who, you know, like she has ideas. And I remember people criticizing me at the beginning because I dressed up in a certain way. And I was like, oh my God, I remember I used to talk to my husband and say like, but I just brought these clothes from my country. People might think that I am some sort of diva and so on. But no, it's just like, this is a cultural thing. You know, I didn't even have money to go and buy sustainable clothing or anything. You know, it's just like, I mean, when you start something and in my case, it was just, and doing so something social, imagine it was really hard. But the trust, it was so difficult. It was so difficult. And it took me so many years. Now I'm even invited on TV in a regular basis as the expert and to talk. And now I've, I'm being paid now to talk, just to give my consulting time to big corporates and so on. But at the beginning, it was really hard. I had many times and plenty of time. Sometimes I didn't know if it was because I was a woman or because I was a migrant. A little bit of both, definitely. But being a woman, certainly, and entrepreneurship is also a big issue. And it's something, it's a barrier that we need to dive in and we need to openly talk about it. But I've been in situations where people used to come to my office and then I said like, hey, can you tell your co-founder congratulations? And I was like, sorry? Yeah, your co-founder is like, yeah, but I mean, they all dropped like within the first four months. <laughs> I was the one who ended up building the organization and actually paying for it because in Germany, you have to pay a lot of money to build your organization or company. You need to have a capital of minimum 12,000 euros, 25,000 euros. I had to raise, I have to ask for this money out there and I pay for it. I mean, paying for it still, but no. And then I was like, no, dude, why you don't ask me and why you don't congratulate me? So it's really exhausting so many things that I went through that at some point, Maria, if it wouldn't have been for the users and the migrants who joined and never left, they never left me. They could leave migration, but they never left me. And that's why for me, I think it was not difficult. But then I did a lot of events. I mean, there was this strategy at the beginning. We did a lot of events. I mean, of course, right now it's, we, we couldn't last year, but we did a lot of events and a lot of organizations and a lot of people knows Migration Hub. A lot. Actually, we didn't even have resources back then for marketing and everything was word of mouth. And the quality of the work that we all did together, the whole team, which I think it resembles what a migrant can do, supported with the right individuals. And I think, yeah, I mean, it was, of course, there were mistakes and of course, there were a lot of problems that happens along the way, contracts that I shouldn't have made. But all of these things also led me to what I'm doing right now which is basically part of the lessons learned and why I want to continue protecting migrants and especially migrant entrepreneurs. But back then, I can tell you that just by, guided by my guts, guided by my instinct, we did a tremendous job that we gathered. We did 150, and then I stopped counting early 2019. Up until that time, we did 152 events for 4,511 people in nice. Berlin. And we received people from all over the world. I remember having this visitor who came out of a sudden and randomly from Silicon Valley, who's an author of a book called Frugal Innovation. And then he just came into the door asking for me. I was not there, by the way, when he arrived. And he left me his book and, and then later we talked and so on. So I was like, how these people are hearing about it? You know, how? And I think I just don't know how it all happened. How many people knows about this still. And I still think I will never know. I've been in situations recently where the last thing that happened to me was a year ago before the lockdown. And I was invited into a very close room with experts in the field of migration. And they brought professors from Harvard. And then we stayed there together for a week talking about things to come because Germany passed a new migration act for the so-called skilled migrants. And then we were there a week talking, discussing and so on. 
And I was just saying goodbye to everybody. And then I said goodbye to this woman who's a professor at Harvard. And uh, she was coming only to hear from the United States just to these meetings. And I came to him and I said, genuinely, like, I really enjoyed the time we had this week. And I'm so, so grateful I met you this week. And she said, I was just waiting for this moment. You don't remember, do you? And I was like, eh, nope. <laughs> and so like, oh, please excuse me if, if, I've, if we've ever met. I mean, I really apologize. And she said like, I've been in your office. I've been in one of your events. And generally I said, look, first and foremost, in the last years, ever since we started with these events, I think I was in numb situation. I was just focusing on doing the job. I didn't, it's not that I didn't enjoy or anything, but I, I think I will never know people that have been Immigration Hub or I came across through my travelings. And that's the only way. That's the only way of showing so much hard work. It was the only way to get the attention for people because I was just the migrant and that's it. And for many people, it's just the migrant who... Yeah. And I know that it was also a challenge for my team members. And I really apologize with them because I know that for the work we did and for the idea of Migration Hub, I know that we could have received more support. And I know that we didn't get the right support or funding back then because, you know, I was the migrant. Perhaps if I would have been a local, maybe Migration Hub would have received back then the funding needed to support and to keep that amazing team together. But they didn't. And that tells you how much still we need to work and we need to change things because still migrants are hardly trusted to receive their money to actually do the job. You make it kind of very scary, you know, to go to Germany <laughs> for a migrant, but you're working it for migrants and supporting migrants. And mm -hmm. Chris, thanks for joining in, by the way. We're just experimenting <laughs> in recording a podcast while being live on Clubhouse. So, yeah, Anna, you, you mentioned quite a few things, actually, saying that as a migrant, as a woman, you mm -hmm. found it difficult to gain the trust of Europeans and Germans because you're based in Germany, but also raise funds and keep Migration Hub running. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you shared with me a few months ago as well that you learned so much. And mm -hmm. if you were to do things again, you would do them differently. Yeah. So what were some of the key learnings about starting a nonprofit because you said you would mm -hmm. do it as a for-profit as well. This yeah. is one of the yeah. things. Actually, right now it's a for-profit, not migration of the new company. And yeah, why I would do it differently? Well, first and foremost, because of this lack of trust. As I said, I was really naive at the beginning. I would not change the strategies that we follow. I mean, yes, it was a hell of a word to do all these events, but I think we would not never achieve what we achieve without them. And also the recognition and people that knows us. But what I would do differently is to, for the sake of having funds, I mean, I don't want to go into details per se, but I think I would have taken my time to build a nonprofit more seeing it as a project for long-term, not registering as an... Because I remembered, right, that the moment it was registered as a non-profit, you know, you have to deal with a lot of contracts, you have to deal with a lot of things, legal stuff, where it's very hard to make that happen. It's really hard, especially when you don't have the money to hire senior people to handle it as a big thing. Because we were handling big events, we were handling big projects, and it was just only me, and, and I had an amazing team, but they were not necessarily... And neither I was prepared 
to deal with all these things. And I know why I chose this team and I know why I was surrounded by these amazing people. But unfortunately, when you are in a serious business, meaning you're handling things in a certain scale, you need to be surrounded by individuals who know how to drive and dive into the German bureaucratic system, for example, right? And a migrant knows very little about that. Actually, this is the moment when we migrants need the support. And again, this is related to what I'm doing now. But back then, I was just me, you know, I'm, I was not doing a nonprofit. This was actually even worse than a company because in a company, yes, I mean, in the company, at least you can have a service and sell it. And, you know, you have a product, you sell it and you receive money out of it. But with a nonprofit, you need to demonstrate as well that you're raising funds that also you need to keep the status of a nonprofit. You know, it's just very, very difficult. And yeah, I would have done a lot of things differently and get legal as an organization up until I had the people around who were willing to do the admin work, the hard work, and not being like me, because we were all learning as things were coming, you know, until the end. And that's something that I would do definitely different, because this is exactly what happens with any entrepreneur in any level, in any area, whatever you're building, even if you're selling pineapples or, you know, whatever you're doing, surround yourself by people who knows more than you. Yeah. Right. And and I was the migrant and, and I didn't know how to navigate through the entire system. So when you build a nonprofit, particularly, you are surrounded a lot by individuals who really care. None of the individuals who were around migration didn't care. They all care. They gave their hearts. They gave everything and beyond for this. But at the end of the day, the system judges you as a business. They're not going to say like, oh, no, I know you're a nonprofit. Oh, you're a migrant. Oh, no, for you. No, no, no. You will have to deal and go and deal with legal actions if you don't do things. And those are things that it really frustrated me for many years. And then I saw so much money being pured and being put out there in the, in the European Commission for Migrant Entrepreneurship. And now it's about Migrant Entrepreneurship and Migrant Entrepreneurship. And like, no, no, hold on. We should not be putting migrants in this issue. Being a migrant is hard enough to find your own way <laughs> and to force, and it's not forcing, but to tell migrants that it's so cool to be a migrant entrepreneur or refugees. I mean, they just come from traumatic situations. And I've been reading reports from Harvard Business Review that says that migrants and refugees are most likely to be successful entrepreneurs because they have resilience. And I'm like, how dare you talk about resilience of an individual who just went through everything in life. And just because you have a better way of dealing with things doesn't mean that we're prepared to be entrepreneurs and to fail and to close companies and open the following no, this is very hard. And we don't have that support, meaning like we don't have any structural support. We don't have family members around. If we run into problems, who are we going to go and ask for money to save our assets? Sorry for the word. Who, right? So it's possible though, but that's why I'm here now building a new, a new project, which is essentially was born within Migration Hub. And now it's already registered as a for-profit company since last year. And we're going really fast now into developing the network of support that migrant entrepreneurs required to do the job. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a bit about that one, because when we mm -hmm. last spoke last year, you were mentioning that you were building something new, but you needed a break before getting started yes. because <laughs> you were figuring out all the pieces. Yes. <laughs> Coming, you know, from all the learnings and the successes and the failures and everything, but you also have the network around you, yes. which is essential because you kind of have the traction and we're going to talk about the impact you've made as well. So what are you doing today? <laughs> 
Um, actually, during that break, which was the last project that I led within Migration Hub, you know, we received more than 1,000 applications for training migrants across Germany on digital skills and future of work right in the time of pandemic. So that was my break was while I was developing this idea. But I had a lot, enough time. We were in lockdown and we provided that support with the digital skills, which kind of like validated again why I built what I'm doing now. 90% of the 500 people who applied, and I mean, the one who took the courses, they were really highly skilled. And these are people who already have master degrees or at least university degrees. And these people joined with one goal, to find a job. And then I started to navigate through the process, right? I mean, Germany, compared to other countries around the world, Germany is the only country that hosted so many migrants that it's a rich country. The rest of these refugees, for example, are in countries like Lebanon or Jordan or Kenya, Colombia, countries that they don't have the infrastructure that Germany has, right, to integrate asylum seekers in the same way. And yet migrants are also struggling. And Germany, it's becoming, actually became last year, the first destination of migrants around the world to come to work. Because with Donald Trump and the United States, because the United States used to be that country, changed completely the game. So Germany has a lot of vacancies and has more than 1 million vacancies in, for jobs, but it's not for everybody, right? It's only for the IT industry. And if you're a nurse or if you're a doctor, because Germany needs urgently doctors and nurses to take care of the elderly people, but then the rest not. So we cannot tell everybody just go to tech, you know, because this is exactly what happened to us last year. We received more than 1,000 applications. We were overwhelmed. Also, that to the fact that Migration has a really good outreach, which actually we didn't even have much marketing. It's just like we just put it out there and it was just 1,000 applications. But it was just because people were desperate and they were trying to change their careers into tech to see if with that they could get a job. So I think that for me, while I was doing this, it was just validating what I wanted to do. And yet I have to say that I could have built another product, but I decided to focus on migrant entrepreneurship essentially because at the end of the day, it's not that migrant entrepreneurship is the solution. It is not the solution, but it is at least the one that speaks to my heart and the one that I decided to focus to help migrants to avoid, I would say, mistakes or problems that I went through because of being a migrant and generally not knowing about many of these processes. Yeah, you, you relate so, to that. So, so totally. Yeah. I also learned a lot because what I was actually doing last year, even locals sometimes even call me like, Anna, what should I do? Where should I have to contact? I'm registering a new company and so on. Like now I'm getting calls even from people in Mexico asking me like, Anna, how can I move my company from here? My last client from last year, I, they were also contacting me and looking for me to help them to move from France to here. So it was like, okay, so now I'm the guru of, of entrepreneur, like how to build companies, right? I mean, this is the thing. And also, I'm a mentor of another accelerator, and that's basically my role, to guide my mentees on the one, two, three steps on what they have to do and what they have to focus, more like down to reality. I'm not up for changing your business models or look at here or look at that. No, no, I put this job to the ones who know how to do that, and if I can, I will do it. And I used to do that also with the nonprofit organizations, but now I decided to focus only in what is essential. I want migrants to feel supported and to find the right ecosystem for them to build what they want to build. Because again, there's not jobs for everybody. And this is around the world. This is not only in Germany. There's not enough jobs for everybody. So if they are going to be entrepreneurs, let's help them to do it right. And right doesn't mean only, as I said, the right business model, which everybody focus on, which I also focus on back then, which is the wrong thing, 
you also cannot avoid the whole bureaucratic process because the difference between that and locals, you just, you can pay for it. You can pay for somebody who can deal with all your bureaucratic paperwork, but we don't have the money <laughs> to build a company. And we're building it from scratch with our own resources and savings that sometimes we don't even have. And I just would like to make sure that people get the right access to what they need. So based on so many lessons learned, we learned, for example, through our programs that migrants are more entrepreneurial. The thing is that 90% of them are seeking for job opportunities because they need money SIP. Migrants are struggling to access financial support, right? In countries like Germany, there's so much money and so many ways to get money as an entrepreneur. It's just that we don't know where to get them. Now, five years later, I know where to go. I, I know which bank to go. I know what to do. But back then, I genuinely didn't know. There is a lot of lack of financial literacy overall because we come from different cultures and we all manage money in a very different way. And that's also something that we need to acknowledge that when you are a migrant, part of coming here, I mean, you go to German courses, you go to language courses, you go to integration courses, you go to courses in coding, in community, but nobody's telling us how to handle the money. And that's also a problem because at the end, I have seen many examples, people running into problems because of that. Or migrants these days that arrived five years ago already buying new cars because they find it cheap to get a loan and pay so much. It's just, this is a time bomb in the future. Then we are all lost in the bureaucratic language. We're not lost in the German language or we're not lost in the country language. We're lost in the bureaucratic language. Women migrants are both struggling more than anybody else to find jobs and in entrepreneurship. Because women overall in entrepreneurship are always less likely to get investment or get funding. And they are more scared. And I was one of them. And many of those that had this opportunity to talk to, we are scared to be entrepreneurs. And I remember that the moment I registered the back then, the nonprofit, the GGMBH, I was scared to death. And I know now after going through so much therapy that I also kind of created an environment within my team in a very tense one because I was really scared. I was not even able to sleep because I was scared, scared to death. What if it fails? What if it fails? And what if it fails? So women are more scared to jump into entrepreneurship because of the failure part. And what that actually that means, which at the end, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, that it's not, not a bad thing. It's just like, there's so many ways to navigate that process. And it's just like, again, part of, the lack of experiences that we have in entrepreneurship is just, we are afraid of how to navigate through these things. And since I already went through everything, I can guarantee you that there's many ways out. And last but not least, always building a company is super difficult. So I found an interesting opportunity, especially last year with the whole topic of migrant entrepreneurship, that perhaps because of the narrative and changing narratives is so important because when you have somebody like us, like Migration Hub, like you over there, constantly talking and talking and talking about it, some people finally will hear about it. And that's the good thing. And that's the good thing about what you're doing with this podcast. That's the good thing about what we're all doing. Sometimes we think like, oh, nobody's listening. Nobody's joining. Somebody will. Somebody will. And could take years, but people will do it. And then last year, and that's why when I started to tell people at the beginning of this year, like I founded this new company called Migrapreneur, people have been super receptive. I mean, I'm having the conversations on funding right now that I didn't with Migration Hub over five years. It's just because I think that they've heard about it and there were this constant work over the years, over the years talking about it. So I think right now there's a momentum 
on investing in innovation. Actually, after COVID last, well, we are still in the whole situation with COVID, but last year, a lot of investors decided to switch the way they were doing investment. Also, the Black Lives Matter movement was very crucial and important towards this change because investors started to realize that the lack of diversity of where their money was placed, that if they were going to commit to something was where their money was going to go. So I think that thanks to that, it was just the right momentum to start already gathering people. So in a nutshell, basically my repreneur will be offering very soon. It's going to be several products, but very soon we'll be offering just a media site, which is an entire online marketing campaign to guide migrants from A to Z how to build companies, basically how to navigate through the entire bureaucratic structure. There's going to be also a matchmaking hub, which essentially we're going to be connecting them with experts, with all kinds of experts since, you know, registering companies to lawyers, to taxes, advisors, to incubators, accelerators, funding opportunities, scholarships, and all kinds of things, mental health support. When people are struggling with finances, it's just that all these things and resources already exist, but they're not they're not concentrated in one place. So we're aiming to put it in one place in a language that everybody speaks and understands. And one of the platforms, which is not going to be developed this year, most likely next year, is it's going to include also kind of gaming or gamification, which the idea is to be inclusive for everybody. It's not about the language. And, and I've had this many conversations with many people. It's not just about, oh, we put everything in English or we put everything in Spanish or in Arabic. No, it's just that at the end of the day, even myself, when I'm speaking about administrative stuff, I said Steuerberater instead of tax advisor, even if I'm speaking English, just because it's a word and you know that you know it and so on. So the idea is, is actually to support migrants to walk through the process by learning the right bureaucratic language. And at the end, it's just a guiding. What are we doing with all this data? Because at the end of the day, migrants are joining the goal, which is also something that we're starting this year, supported by the Berlin Senate, monitoring. We're monitoring the economic integration of migrants based on migrant entrepreneurship and the idea, and we're getting there, who's doing what? Who is a migrant entrepreneur? Essentially because this year, the news hit the faces of many Germans by surprise that we have a COVID vaccine thanks to Turkish, which is the most discriminated population in Germany since 30 years ago. And these are the people, more than 30 years ago, these are the people who build this country. And one of the founders of BioNTech, which is the one who created the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, he said it very clearly two years ago in a conference. They're actually, they're really wealthy right now, but he said it in a conference. When I was studying in Germany, there's so many times that even the United Nations have called the attention to the education system of Germany that is very, very exclusive. At the age of 12, based on your performance, you will be decided. You are not deciding yourself. The teachers will decide if you're ready for university or you have to do vocational work. And people with migrant background, because at home, they're forced to speak two languages. Parents that they don't speak any word of German, they depend on their kids and their kids are not going to get the right support as a local will get for doing homework and stuff. So the non-locals are most likely not to go to university compared to the locals. So it happened to him. And he said that because of the intervention of a neighbor of him, they managed to convince the school that he wanted to go to university. So without the intervention of his supporters, because his parents didn't speak a word of German, he could not have been doing what they're doing. And God knows if we would have a vaccine right now, you know? So it's so important to understand that the economic integration 
that give back we're given to the countries as we are, it's so important to be acknowledged finally, because perhaps with numbers, we could stop talking and we could stop investing and stopping migrants from coming because the future of all of us is to migrate at least once in a lifetime because of climate change, because of pandemic situations. So, or we get ready to welcome migrants as who they are, people who are going to contribute, or then we will have a very hard future for everybody. You're wrapping it up in that sense, because I want to touch on a few things here. The first one, you mentioned that migrants are the innovators, right? And actually, if you think about Silicon Valley, not all, but most of the innovators are migrants. And also touching on funding and so on, I think impact investing is mm -hmm. also something that's being shaped and accelerated thanks to the pandemic in a certain way, because we've realized that it's not only about making money tomorrow, mm -hmm. but investing in the long term. And you also mentioned the impact and monitoring. Mm -hmm. And you touched on it. I wanted to ask as well, is there a story you could share with us from Migration Hub, like a success story mm -hmm. of, you know, mm -hmm. a migrant or something or a little business or a business or, yeah. you know, a unicorn that came out of it. <laughs> and it's not only, it's about making a local impact in the community and an impact that will grow over time when this person will be able to impact more people and support. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. starts somewhere. But one yeah. thing is what I want to say about you is what you've achieved today is thanks to your experience of learning how to navigate the system, learning that there is no, no trust in you, exactly. <laughs> yes. And then you manage to prove mm -hmm. how things can be and that mm -hmm. you can do stuff. And this is mm -hmm. what's helping you grow <laughs> migrapreneurs faster than you've ever expected, maybe. Yeah. And, and actually something that I didn't mention with migrapreneur, because this is in a very perhaps long-term future, could be the short-term future, but I expect because of forecasting <laughs> that it will happen in perhaps no less than five years. There is a daughter nonprofit of the migrapreneur because that's the way I am. I believe in a different way of doing economy. I'm basically putting, because it's a for-profit now, so I'm putting all my shares on this nonprofit. And the idea is that it will create uh, microloans for migrants to have access to financing for them to build their companies. So that's the idea. And I wanted first to do it for profit, but I had to go through banking license and I'm like, no way. <laughs> this is going to go to the nonprofit and we're going to do it in that way. So yeah. And then I wanted to say that before because lack of financing at the end of the day is, I mean, besides also navigating through the structure. And as I said, I mean, the idea with the matchmaking hub is that we basically make sure that people know what exists out there. Because for example, in Germany, there's a lot of scholarships for people who wants to do innovation in the startup ecosystem, for example which they pay you 2,000 euros per month to do that, which is something that nobody knows that exists. And it's only being reserved for a very specific group of people. And my goal is like, share it out there. This exists. People go apply. This is also for you. And perhaps in that way, I know that this will help people from going through issues, right? And the reason also why I'm mentioning this is because one of the examples that I want to give you is he's from Syria. He already had this idea before coming to here. He actually, when he moved as a refugee here, was with the intention of developing this in here. So he developed hardware. And I remember him last year when the lockdown started, 
he looked at me and then I said, Hannah, let's please meet in a cafeteria. I really need to talk to you. I'm super stressed. And actually, I have right now so many messages from him because I need to help him with something. And we met and then he said, like, Anna, I think I'm going bankrupt and you're an, an expert or whatever. You're you're somebody who knows what can I do? Who can I contact? And then I said, well, first and foremost, don't do that. Because if you go to lawyers, this is the first. I mean, legally speaking, they will tell you, yes, you have to do it. Blah blah. blah. But now, of course, I learned and I've learned so many things that... There's so many ways for you to avoid this. But the thing is like nobody guides you through this because here in Germany, everything is black or white. There's no gray area, but there is a gray area and there is gray area always. There's always solution to problems. There's always solution to problems. You need to be surrounded by the right people and a team that supports you in, in that time, of course, and that everybody's aligned because if not, that's an issue. So I remember that I came on my way home thinking like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I mean, his case was really bad because he was building hardware and everything was in China. And it was in the moment when everything was like this hard lockdown and no flights, no nothing. And he needed to go to China to continue with the production. And he already had contracts and he needed to launch his hardware in those months. And I remember that on my way, I received an email from a bank, which we already had contact with. And then they said, hey, we're going to be giving this to migrant and to entrepreneurs funding. This is just going to be a one time. Please share it with your community. And I did it immediately to him. Said like, apply now. Yeah, but I mean, don't go to lawyers. Don't go to anything that I gave you before. Go and apply now for this. Three days later, he texted me, Anna, I have the money in my bank account. And I said, use it as your opportunity to start and to forget about the fact that you're going to go bankrupt, use it. And a year later, a week ago, he launched it big. What he did, first cell phone in carbon, made out of carbon, hit the news everywhere. And I just want to tell you how much of the connection that I already had before with him, that we've worked together, that he came to Migration Hub first to, um, I remember when he came, he said like, Anna, I, I need your help. I need you as a mentor. It's like, yeah, but I don't know nothing about hardware. And at the end, it's not about me knowing about hardware. And I remember that when we did the first program of Migropreneur, it was like, where do I get this expertise and so on? How to guide men? No, no, no. There's already people, the right people to send them for this. But at the end of the day, it's just the know-how on how to navigate through these problems. It's just the, the know-how where to connect the people with the right audience, to use this network, as you mentioned, that I already have in a way to kind of really link everybody. And I felt so proud of this, just essentially because that shows you that with just a little bit of money, and it was not much, just a little bit of money that if you would be a local, your parents or somebody else will lend you this money to save you from running into a big issue. But what my goal as well with Migrapreneur eventually, when we're able to give this money, is to support migrants to, to not run into issues when they need money. Because when you are an entrepreneur, you have a company, there are going to be days that you need that. I mean, look at us in, in the lockdown. Look at us during COVID. How many companies right now, locals, no locals, how many companies, restaurants, they would need just a little bit of a support, just a little bit of fuel in their engine to continue the road until they get to the gas station, you know. So that's basically what I would like to see my entrepreneurs supporting and doing hopefully soon. And they will pay back. And if they don't pay back, this will continue going without a problem. That's why this goes to the nonprofit. <laughs> But at the end of the day, they will contribute back to the economy. They will have to pay taxes. They will also do, I mean, you're not lending money to individuals to buy cocaine or to buy a car. You're lending the money to somebody who's going to build economy, who's going to build upon other individuals. And I think that's the most valuable thing and lesson that I take from all these years. 
Absolutely. And very rewarding knowing that you could support, even if it's just a little bit, even if you didn't feel it was too much. Giving this example you just mentioned, it was just an email telling him, just go apply. And you said it's not a big sum, but made a big difference. And he just launched this year. I mean, of course, a lot of things happen in between, right? I mean, he also had to do this amazing job and his team and so on and, and investors sure. with him and so on. But this just helps you. He could have a year ago ended his entire dream and, and been telling a different story a year later. So yeah, that for sure is one. There's many, of course, but that one I just wanted to highlight of the importance of people believing and trusting immigrants when they need help. Yeah, thank you so much for that. I mean, I really enjoyed your passion. And at least I have the pleasure of seeing you on Zoom. But we have Chris <laughs> and Peter who can't see you. A last question here. If you had a magic wand and could do something that would accelerate what you're trying to do today, what would that be? But if, if I would ask somebody to come and help me, well, join. I mean, at the end, we will start very soon as a kind of, not PR strategy, but it's more like, We need that to enter this ecosystem. We're starting very strong with this campaign of challenging. Actually, that's the motto behind the whole company. Challenge the entrepreneurial ecosystem to a more inclusive one. So we're gathering companies. We call them allies, individuals who wants to contribute and partners as well of experts in different diasporas and so on. So the idea is to not just go out there and, you know, shout out to the entrepreneurial ecosystem or shout out to the startup ecosystem saying like, you know, you guys are in a bubble, open up, here we're coming. No, it's just to essentially start already making people aware because I want to believe that people that in businesses or in the entrepreneurial ecosystem, investors, they're just not aware, right? I want to believe that this is not happening on purpose, right? It's just that they're not aware that there are some people who are being left out and start already educating people with the right connotations. For example, I've been in meetings where recently incubators who said like, yeah, Anna, but we don't work with your migrants. We only work with the skilled ones. And it's like, oh my God. So this is uh, again, the narrative. And so little I would do with the products that we're developing in the meantime, this campaign is launching and goes out. If we don't start changing and gathering people as we used to do in the past offline, But now we're going to do it online and we're going to be using a lot of platforms. We might likely going to reach out to you as well, because I don't want to reinvent the wheel. That was never the goal also with Migration Hub, neither with Migrapreneur. Um, we just want to use existing tools, existing platforms to chip in, to support, to come in and talk about these things, to invite experts, um, because this is the best way to amplify the voice. Instead of me creating another podcast and just focusing on that, I'm just going to use people who already have your audience, people who already have existing things where we can go more like a marketing strategy to get it out, to start talking about it. And then again, based on my experience, somebody will listen. And the right people will listen and the right people will join and the right people will put money to make this happen. And at the end, understand that the aim goal is also to have money to support migrants for their businesses. Cool. Thank you so much for that, Anna. You got me immersed into your world. <laughs> It was great to learn even more, you know, what's been happening after, you know, five years when we first started the conversation. Thank you so much for being on Gut Talks. And I'm going to be linking all your links in the show notes. And I think now of we course. can move to Clubhouse and raise the volume. <laughs> This episode with Ana Alvarez comes to an end. We tapped into her experience as a migrant from Latin America, moving to Germany, all the hurdles and challenges she faced, building Migration Hub 
and also what she's doing today. And the most important thing is to be surrounded by the right people. Empathy, trust, and belief. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloub. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, join the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.